Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Download the iHeartRadio app to hear us live as live can get. Search J-I-G-G-Y-J-A-G-U-A-R. You will hear great bits like this from Barry Farber, legendary conservative talk show host. Make the difference. But look, man, I got to thank you uh, for giving me this much time, this much respect. You have really made today a great pleasure for me, and I want to thank you for it. Once you've downloaded the iHeartRadio app, search J-I-G-G-Y-J-A-G-U-A-R and listen to all of our past episodes and future episodes of the world-famous Jiggy Jaguar Show, all categorized by hour. Well, I, I, well, I just want to say I love what you do, James, but I, I love what you're doing. I love just being a part of what you what you sharing information uh, with your listeners. Search J-I-G-G-Y-J-A-G-U-A-R on iHeartRadio. Oh boy, oh boy, it is the big broadcast, coast to coast and border to border on iHeartRadio today. It is your Wednesday edition of the world famous Chiggy Jaguar Radio Show. We are going to go to Dan Perkins and IQI Rizzoli. Also in this broadcast, we will talk to Dr. Julie Gatson and Jeffrey Schlanger. I think he's how you pronounce his name. I don't know. I am Jiggy Jag, of course, the ugly American. So we are going to go to Dr. Julie Gatza here in just a few moments. She is hopefully going to join us. Maybe join us. Okay, well. We're going to get Dan Perkins on. And then we will go get Dr. Julie Gatza, I guess. And there's Dan. How are you, sir? Jim? Can you hear me? Can you hear me, my friend? Can you hear me? I don't know if he can hear us. I might be having some Skype difficulty. He couldn't. Okay. Well, we'll do this. We're batting a thousand today. So, let's see if we can get Dr. quite the uh, long Skype deal. That is quite the long little Skype information. But we'll see if we can get Dr. Julie Gatza. And uh, it's going to be quite the deal today. It'll be quite the fun. Oh, lots of things happening, as they say. Lots of things happening. So you're telling me that that is Dr. Julie Gantz's real? That's not Dr. Julie Gantz's real deal, is it? Is that a real? 
Dr. Julie Gantza. Oh, you gotta love Dr. Julie Gantza and her weird Skype account here. I don't think that's her real Skype. So... We're just going to call her on the phone. That is just what I'm going to do. I'm just going to call her on the phone. Dr. Julie, can you hear me, my friend? Yes. Hello. Pretty good, actually. I was... uh, Trying to pull you up on Skype, but I couldn't seem to find you on Skype, so I figured we'd just do this on the phone. Um, All right. You know what? Sorry. I'm uh, I'm in Chicago, and I forgot. It's a time change. I've been aware of you, and um, and I wasn't aware enough. Hey, that's fine. I we can always we can always reschedule if that doesn't if this doesn't work for you, my friend. No, this works great. If you don't mind not skyping this time, that's okay. That's perfect. That's perfect. Let me find IQL Rizzoli and. Dan Perkins, we'll get both of them in here, and we will uh, jump off the good foot and do the bad thing. Hopefully, Dan and IQ both join us here, and I think I've got Dan. Dan, can you hear me, my friend? Can you hear me? Yes, sir. Excellent, excellent. Well, uh, waiting on IQ to pick up his Skype, and as soon as he does, he will will join us. He and I were just chatting when you called, so... (laughs) Well, uh, we have got our first guest with us today. Dr. Julie Gatz is with us, co-founder of the Florida Wellness Institute. She's a health educator. She is one of the nation's top chiropractic physicians with more than 30 years of clinical practice. She joins us today live on the telephone from Chicago. And uh, Dr. Gatz, let's talk a little bit about digestive health. you know, there, there is a lot going on with uh, unhealthy eating habits and everything over the summer. Give me and Dan and IQ here a little bit of details about this, my friend. Well, the biggest thing that people aren't aware of is all your nutrition is coming from what you absorb and what you put into your gut. Okay. So if you aren't breaking down foods, you are going to be absolutely malnourished, not getting nutrition, and then wondering why you're sick. And the biggest signs of digestive unhealth that you aren't getting nutrients is gas, bloating, digestion, problems of any kind, uh, indigestion, and heartburn. And everyone thinks it's normal because TV commercials say just take something for it. But it really means something's wrong, and you're looking at unhealth right in the middle of the eye somewhere down the road. So, uh, Dr. Gatza, what, 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 what do you suggest are, 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 are some, of the, uh, some of the different... Uh, things we need to do because that the, there there are a few dietary habits that we, that that interfere most often with digestive health tell us about some of these our biggest one is people are eating breakfast and then they're eating late night eating okay i've seen okay. 30 years it's usually doctor there's an echo there, there's there, an there, echo. you're you're coming in and out a little bit doctor uh there's an echo I, Try that again, uh, my friend. Try that again. Yes. So can you hear me now? Yes, we've got you. Excellent. Excellent. Go ahead, doctor. Okay. So what's happening is people are um, skipping breakfast. And when they skip breakfast and not eating protein in the morning, what happens is the body gets super hungry at night and 
it's hard to curb your late night eating habits because of the fact that you're missing protein in the morning, which sounds disjointed and not related, but it actually is. Yeah. It is Dr. Julie Gatza. She's with us today here on our broadcast. She's a health educator. She's one of the nation's top chiropractic physicians with more than 30 years of clinical practice during which she assisted many thousands of patients resolve a wide variety of physical ailments. Dan, jump in there, my friend. I know you've got some questions for Dr. Gatza while we've got her. I've been going to doctors like Julie for, for, I don't know, half my adult life. Um, I mean, they they actually do some things where other doctors just give you a pill and send you on your way. Uh, doctor, I, I, uh, I understand what you're saying. I also have read on many occasions that one of the biggest problems is recurring inflammation within the body itself. That It's very, very common, yes. Yeah, and, and, and we, we, we don't pay enough attention to inflammation that's caused by it can be food allergies, it could be viruses or whatever, but we we don't we don't deal with that inflammation and that that inflammation can eventually, as I understand it, take your life. It, it, it's true, I, you know, because I put my focus on digestion with my patients. It's so vital that they are um, efficient. So that means, are they making enough digestive enzymes to break down the food? If they aren't making enough to break down food, which 90% of the patients that I see are not, then I supplement with a high-quality digestive enzyme. The one that I use is called Absorbade. If you aren't breaking down your food, your intestinal lining becomes inflamed. You can't get the nutrition in. It puts stress on your immune system, and you have a chronic inflammatory condition that will whittle away at your health, whether it be joint pain, whether it's an autoimmune disorder, or um, nutrients that you're missing, and now you can't figure out why you've got, you know, diabetes and uh, all these heart problems. And really, if you fix the absorption and fix what you're putting in, you can really uh, eliminate a lot of those risks that were looking at you before. Well, doctor, one of the things that my uh, my nutritionist said did for me, because I have uh, type two diabetes and I'm on borderline type two, but it goes up and down, you know below seven, below six, and then back to seven. And and what she has me doing now is before I go to bed, uh, I have some protein. Okay. Pure pro- pure pro- it's totally smart. And what it does is it won't jack up your blood sugar late at night. So if you're putting some protein in, it's a little more complicated. It's harder for the body to break down. It will give you a longer lasting, even stable blood sugar situation so that it doesn't dump during the night and then in the morning you're you're so low blood sugar you're ready to, you know, eat anything in the kitchen. So that's a smart move. You know, take that a few steps further and you know, eat the protein at each meal, drink your, you know, 10 glasses of water a day, eliminate your coffee, your tea, your soda pops and carbonation, and you'll probably see a bit more um, even keeling on the uh, on the uh, sugars as well. You know, doctor, there, uh, um, I have a foundation called Songs and Stories for Soldiers, and we work in 131 facilities across the country. And the VA tells us that 40% of veterans are type two diabetics and uh, go ahead 
it's in the 30 years that I've been practicing, I can't believe how much more diabetes I'm seeing than I did before. And we were still, you know, successfully handling people's high blood sugar. And I do believe it's our soil, our um, food source. I do believe it's the fact that we are, you know, much more uh, on the go and not necessarily home cooking meals the way that we were when we were um, being raised. And now we're missing these nutrients. We're not making enzymes. We're not supplementing with, you know, good digestive enzymes. And our commercials are basically saying, take all the different drugs for this. Don't worry. We got you handled with another drug once you get diabetes. Right. Uh, I had a, my uh, internist told me many, many years ago that he, uh, he he believed that the quality of food in Europe was better than the quality of food in the United States. Absolutely. I see it where the Europeans come over and I have a lot of friends who are from Europe, where, wherever that may be, and they land here and two to three later, years later, they look just like us. They have the muffin top, the circles under the eyes. They're, you know, not so slim and bright looking. Now they look a little chubbed out and fluffy. And uh, it's got to be our food source because it's it's just too apparent. And, you know, I've gone over to Europe myself and, you know, ate a bunch of things that I wouldn't necessarily put on my diet here and didn't get a pound and felt amazing. And it's because they haven't done such disastrous things to our food source and to our soil. So um, uh, is there anything we can do about it in the States or are we too far gone? I mean, this is one of the reasons that I do these types of radio shows is, you know, I, I use things that work in my office. I use principles that I see apply to just about everybody. And, uh, you know, we can't fight the soil. We can't fight, you know, the, less than quality foods that are at our grocery stores, but we can make better decisions rather than just pretending it's not existing. So educating mm -hmm. patients on the fact that they should be shopping on the perimeter of the store, educating that they should be taking Absorbate or something, you know, equal, but that's as good as I could find to help them get all the nutrients that they can from each meal that they eat. And if they want to eat better and smarter and follow some of the rules I've mentioned, great. If they don't, well, then you better be getting the most nutrients you can from your less than perfect meal that you are consuming because we're not just fat, lazy Americans. We are starving. We're malnourished. We don't have a good food source in general. And when you understand that, now you can put a little bit more importance on, wow, gosh, what I am eating should be a pretty good choice. And then if I'm eating it, I better be able to break it down. And geez, you know, gas, bloating, indigestion, heartburn, acid reflux isn't normal. Let's find out why I have it and fix the reason. So do you think that the Europeans actually care about what they eat in terms of uh, its nutritional value, or they just like things differently than we do? I think they actually care. I think that the sort of old-time, um, you know, stability of cooking at home and, you know, preparing meals and doing it as a family and not rushing through you know, a meal the way that we have been taught to do. I think that they also recognize the the beauty of, you know, what lettuce tastes like on its own, for instance. You know, when I went to Europe and I tasted a, a salad, I was like, wow, this is so delicious. I can't believe it. Oh my goodness, there's basically no dressing. There's nothing added, um, extra added. And I realized that 
here in America, we use salads as an avenue to put dressing on it and, you know, lots of different things in it to give it some flavor. There, the lettuce actually had flavor. So just by putting almost nothing on it, you couldn't believe how much better it tasted. And you do see the difference um, in just the quality of the food and the fact that they have some laws and rules against what they can use on the soil and for pesticides and you know, what a normal standard is, is compared to, you know, what we call food is really stuff they probably wouldn't feed the dog out the back alley. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, so when you, when you look at, uh, in your 30 years of practice, um, is, there, is there a particular generation out there that's doing a better job than another one? Or are they all pretty bad? Mm, I would say that, you know, the, the baby boomers are still doing a pretty good job if they haven't um, bought into the fact that they're they're aging and, uh, you know, they're on limited budgets and starting to eat out and, you know, sort of mm, lazily. I would say that they knew the best. Those were the ones that grew up with three meals a day and mom generally was at home and, you know, preparing and taking care of the family. And so they were lucky from that sense. I think the Generation X right after them um, are aware enough because we were raised with um, with enough values of what cooking was and good food is. And I think from there on out, the TVs, the commercials, the magazine ads, the fat-free, the 80s, the skinny, the, you know, have to be slender, all took over. And, um, you know, I can't imagine when we grew up that we would ever be allowed to have a coffee in the middle of the afternoon and a school day when we went to, you know, one of those popular coffee places, that just wasn't normal. But it's been so um, normal for the other generations that they don't even know what normal is anymore. They just think it's all normal and, you know, eating out a lot and not really being taught to cook is it's hurting them. And, you know, they're, they're an aware generation but they aren't giving a lot of um, really good, healthy choices anymore. They have to go out of the way to do it. I have a, 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 a interesting short story for you. My, uh, I have four sons, and, and three of them are working remotely and have been since the pandemic started. And one of my sons, I'm not going to say which one, one of my sons um, uh, was down here for the first time in a year and a half. I live in southwest Florida, and he lives up in New York. And uh, so I said, uh, he and his wife both work remotely. And he said, well, we get, um, we get uh, prepared meals for us uh, four days a week, and then we go out to eat on the weekends. <laughs> right. So they don't cook. I, right. And, you know, I, I never want to make somebody wrong that doesn't like to cook, but I also have seen patients over the years that, you know, just knowing some very simple basics, one, will save you money. Two, it definitely stretches your budget. Three, it is so darn healthy for you. And when you start to do it, you realize that you're the one in control and the food really does taste quite good. So mm -hmm. I don't know how people can really get their health the way they want to and keep it that way if they are um, not uh, um, able or willing to know how to prepare some of the very basics. I mean, hard boiling eggs, how much simpler could it be? How much right. better of a food could it be for you? You know, cooking a chicken breast in the oven and a piece of fish and a steak and steaming some vegetables, all those are just basics. And if you only knew those, 
you would be a healthy person with just those basics that I just mentioned. So the, uh, what do you think about the, the meal delivery services? What about the quality of their, their food? You know, I don't prescribe to them, and I don't remember eating one. So I think it just depends on the quality of the food that is being used. And, uh, you know, from what I can see, it looks like it is just basic ingredients that says, hey, you put these together that way. I know that there's those pre-boxed ones where they basically give you all the ingredients and you cook them. And mm -hmm. anything else, it's just up, it's up for grabs. So, you know, I generally try to buy eggs locally just because I do. And everything else I generally get from the regular grocery store. And, um, you know, you can get very healthy shopping from just the regular grocery store. You don't have to eat organic to necessarily fix your health. It's always better if you want to, I suspect. But I've seen, you know, tens of thousands of patients improve their health. But every one of them had to cook at some level. Mm. Jim, back to you. We've got a uh, great guest with us today, Dr. Julie Gatza. And uh, IQ, do you have any you have any questions for the doctor? Well, I I noticed that in the last fifty years, more people live longer because of good food. I'm not saying excellent food, but better food than the hundred years ago. Am I right? I, I'm sorry, you were breaking up a bit, a, a bit. You were saying that you think the quality of food is better now than it used to be? No, the eating habits are greater. People are eating more healthier food than even before, but not as healthy well, as you want it to be. Well, I mean, let's take a look at the people in the 1950s. They were slim. There wasn't a lot of wet, rampant weight um, problems. The kids weren't fat. Uh, you know, everyone was slender and looked pretty good. And, you know, we watched these statistics of, you know, diabetes on the rise and all these different diseases on the rise. And I've got to think that our food is much worse than it used to be. And um, yes, I think people have to be more aware and they are eating healthier, quote unquote, but it's the source of the food. It's the, they're not putting the minerals back in the soil. They're radiating the food. They're microwaving our, um, you know, our um, vegetables. And, and they're doing all sorts of strange things rather than going to the farm and grabbing a bushel of apples and buying a, you know, a gallon of milk from the local farmer. It's not the same. And I think we're suffering from that. I agree. In, I mean, the obesity in Europe and America is immense. I think it's about 20 to 30 percent. It's, it's outrageous. And, you know, I, I mean, I'm very health conscious and come from a family that really raised us with health food stores and vitamins and all these things. My mom was really uh, I'm a third generation chiropractor, so she was taught as well. And, you know, what it takes to keep the weight at a normal maintained level is a lot of work. And it is because of the food. And, uh, you know, and I eat very cleanly and very plain and I'm not perfect. My goodness, I certainly, you know, go off the rails a bit, but I always know to come back and do the right thing. And, you know, you really do suffer when you're not sticking to the program, especially here in the States. I've been 65 pounds in weight, 65 kilos in weight for maybe 25 years. I go up a pound or cut down a pound. But the, the only thing I control is my food. Not necessarily the right. quality, but the amount. I never overeat. Right. And you, you know, clearly from your accent, you aren't from the, uh, from the States. 
However, you were taught, you know, the very basics that the children aren't being taught now and the teenagers aren't taught and the millennials, you know, know whatever they know. But, you know, they're a fascinating group of, of people. But they were also raised where they didn't have all the opportunity that we had as far as just the food sources. So, you know, it's a it's a strange time when you take a look at, you know, what are we looking at health wise? What are we looking at with all these different things that, um, you know, have a drug for it? And, you know, it's easy to just take the drug rather than looking at, you know, what are you doing that's causing it? What aren't you doing that's causing this? And when you ask yourself those two questions, uh, you can usually get the answer whether you like the answer or not. And that's pretty much how I've been running my practice for years is what are you doing that you shouldn't be? What aren't you doing that you should be? And, you know, out of all the supplements and nutrients I've been giving for all these years, break down the food you are eating. You can then supplement with anything else that you're feeling that you need, but always get the most from your meal. Well, doctor, uh, as we wrap up here with you, my friend, how do we get in touch with you on social media, the websites, all these things? (laughs) They can um, go to the website, which is naturessources.com. And they can um, look up the absorbed. They can see the different forms it comes in. You can give it to your children, elderly, even your dog. Uh, I have lots of patients that use it on their animals. And um, they can also go to the 1-800 number. And if they use the code RADIO, they can ask for some free samples or 20% off their first order. And that phone number is 1-800-827-7656. Fantastic. Well, I appreciate you making time for us today. Thanks for coming on and chatting with us. You have uh, been just a a wealth of knowledge. Thanks for doing this today, my friend. Thanks, guys. Pleasure talking with you as well. Thank you. There she goes, Dr. Julie Gatza with us today here on our big program. And uh, so, uh, Dan, what what did you think of Dr. Gatza there? Well, I... I uh, understand uh, somebody who's uh, fought weight all of his life uh, and diabetes. Um, I understand uh, the I, the uh, the principle of you you got to be careful about what you eat. I have to watch my carbohydrates and my sugars, um, and I I have what is what sometimes people call a high protein low carbohydrate diet, and I've lost uh, close to forty pounds and have kept it off through the pandemic so i'm thrilled wow that's pretty amazing Mm -hmm. (laughs) that is that is pretty amazing we are going to go to our next guest here in just a few moments and uh you could get a hold of us online cheekyjaguar.com we're going to be chatting i believe uh the major generals with us jeffrey can you hear us i i sure can i'm here now uh we have got a great guest joining us here on the big program major general jeffrey schlossinger and and, uh, he is a u.s army retired he's also the author of marathon war leadership in combat in afghanistan and he joins us today here on our program so jeffrey tell me and dan and iq a little bit about your book here marathon war 
Yeah, so, you know, I wrote the book based upon my journals from combat. Um, and uh, I was in Afghanistan leading the 101st Airborne Division for 15 months in 08 and 09. Yeah, I retired in 10 and uh, started reading my journals and said, you know what? There is not anybody that I know of that one day would brief President Bush, then go out and fly out to meet, you know, 10 or 15 of my soldiers out on the frontier there between Pakistan and Afghanistan. And then maybe that night have to write letters to families of soldiers that had fallen. And I wanted to put all that together in one you know, book and talk about what the personal impact is of trying to lead in a situation like that. Fantastic. Dan, do you want to start us off here, my friend? Well, um, yes. Uh, uh, thank you, uh, General, for your service. And um, I, have too, am a veteran, and uh, I um, have great respect for um, – my fellow veterans, I have a foundation called Songs and Stories that helps with post-traumatic stress disorder, traumatic brain injury, suicide prevention, and uh, sleep deprivation. Um, we, we simply just have not dented the suicide rate of veterans in a long time, and it's actually went up during the pandemic. Um, what is your feeling, if I might be so bold to ask you, since you're now retired, what do you think of the decision of removing all of Afghanistan? Yeah, I have to say that I think it's, I don't think it's a, a good idea. I think, uh, you know, both as far as America's interest and, you know, uh, basically uh, ensuring our security as American citizens, I think it's going to prove to be unfortunate because I think uh, Al-Qaeda and others will go back to uh, a safe haven that uh, Afghanistan becomes and plots against us. And I personally don't believe that uh, it rang true for all of us that are veterans. I mean, many of them want to get out, and I'm a huge believer in, in not having forever wars. You know, my dad served uh, as a civilian after he retired from the Army and planning for the Ministry of Defense there in Kabul. And obviously, I served in Afghanistan. My son served in Afghanistan. Three generations of soldiers out there doing that, and I don't believe in doing that forever. But I do believe that uh, we owe it to our vets to make sure that uh, when we do change out uh, our, our interest or if we decide to leave wars that we've served in, especially those for two, two decades, that we do it in the right way. And uh, I'm not sure we've done it the right way this time. Well, it looks like from what I've been reading, General, that we're going to walk out and leave millions of tons of ammunition and armament just all in warehouses on the ground, not doing anything to take it with us. Um, I, it, I go ahead, sir. Well, I just wanted to say, you know, I'm not sure about the weapons or or the ammunition. I think that, uh, you know, I think that they'll do the very best they can to remove that, or or as it sounds crazy, but they'll destroy it on site. Um, I'll never forget the first time I went to Bagram uh, Air Base. By the way, Bagram had been the site of the Soviet uh, invasion as well. And I saw, you know, MiGs and helicopters and tanks uh, destroyed out in the middle of the air base uh, after they left. And I, my belief is is that we won't leave those kinds of things. But Humvees and trucks and stuff like that, yeah, it'll be there. And more likely than that, will be captured by the Taliban. So the gist of what you're saying, uh, you know, the intent is, is correct. I mean, you know, uh, we leave behind a lot of supplies more likely than not, uh, they'll either be captured uh, or just seized. Yeah, General, there's, a, there's another issue that that I, I've been writing about for some time, um, 
about the, the, the departure from Afghanistan and Iraq and Syria. Um, since Joe Biden has taken office, the price of West Texas intermediate crude has gone from as high, from about $42 a barrel to a high of, of 70 something. It's pulled back recently when OPEC decided that they're going to uh, ramp up production a little bit. But, but the, the problem I have, General, is that one of the reasons why I believe we had a strategic interest in the Middle East was that we were dependent upon Middle Eastern oil to run our economy. When we started, the private sector began to develop the resources in the United States, and we reached the point under Donald Trump that we were energy independent as a nation. We didn't need the oil. But what's happened is we've got a, a, a double hit here. We're taking out our military through the Middle East, but at the same time, we're cutting our resources so that we're no longer very quickly energy independent. And what we're doing is we're sending money to the to the Arab nations to buy oil, which they can in turn use to fund the terrorists to attack us. And I don't understand the logic of doing that. Yeah, I'm no expert on uh, the oil economics here, uh, Dan. But well, let me just say that I am a big believer that uh, you know we have a presence in the Middle East, uh, not just in Iraq and Afghanistan, Afghanistan being Southwest Asia, but also Kuwait, uh, Syria, Iraq. Clearly, uh, has you know caused us to be involved in other places like Qatar and things of that nature, and obviously Saudi Arabia. We do that on purpose. We have national interests, right? Mm-hmm. Sometimes they have to do with security interests, like uh, trying to make sure that Iran doesn't uh, become a regional regional uh, hegemon that uh, hurts, you know, both global trade as well as the security of, uh, of our uh, friends and allies in the region. But we also, you know, we try to do it so that uh, it makes sense for American security, right? Mm-hmm. We don't want people planning things overseas and things of that nature. Uh, you know, we've long, as you said, we've long been involved in trying to secure a free, to, free flow of, uh, of hydrocarbons, oil, natural gas, and things like that out of the uh, that area of the world. Um, whether we use it or not, uh, you know, the rest of the world uh, uh, still needs oil. And uh, you can have oil spikes if uh, you have uh, things that are hindered that way. I'm obviously a big supporter uh, as an American of uh, whatever, of you know, energy independence in my own country. Mm-hmm. And I think that that was a wise thing to do as far as, you know, uh, fracking and things of that nature. Again, I'm not an environmental uh, specialist, so... I don't want our listeners thinking that I'm making an environmental statement. I'm not. I'm talking about national security. Right. Um, you know. So, anyway, I, I understand fully what you just said. And uh, you know, and while I'm no expert on oil and things like that, I, I do remind everybody that you know the, we went into the Middle East, you know, decades and decades ago after World War II on purpose. We've been involved there ever since for real reasons that uh, have to do with our own security and and, and our own economy. And, uh, right. you know, we can we can walk away if we want to, but it's a bad choice and it will hurt us. Right. I want to move on, if I could, General, to uh, um, something that I've been also writing a lot about recently. And that is the idea of instructing the military in critical race theory and, and white supremacy. Uh, we've got the chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff 
which uh, I can't believe what I'm hearing from him. Um, the idea that we're trying to indoctrinate, uh, and that's what it is, indoctrination by teaching that whites are have been against blacks, have been white supremacists from the founding of our country, um, and that um, we, whites should have no power. I, I'm just amazed uh, that we that the military would adopt a philosophy of teaching critical race soldiers, critical race theory to soldiers. Yeah, I don't think, you know, well, one, I, I personally don't believe it's actually happening out there, you know, among our soldiers as far as privates and people going through basic training and stuff. And, you know, Dan, I think you probably know that I, I started off in the Army as a private. How I made it to a two-star is anybody's guess, but uh, I was proud to retire as a major general. But what I'll say is that, you know, whether it's a college education, you know, the military academies or whatever, I, I really don't know the facts on that. What I will say, though, is, is that I believe our military is stronger and better uh, one, when we represent what our country looks like, but two, that doesn't require a whole lot of, uh, you know, I, what I'm just saying is we need to be diverse, and we are diverse. Our military is extraordinarily diverse, uh, but we also need to be strong. And, and we're not a social economic experiment uh, when you're in the military. Your Army, your Marine Corps, airmen and sailors and stuff like that need to concentrate on what they have signed up to do, which is to train uh, for war, train for combat, um, and it's not a social economic experiment, and uh, and I don't believe that we're stronger for that. So, you know, again, I, I'm not a uh, you know economist. I'm not a social sociologist. I'm a military guy that trained all my life to protect America, and that's what I my opinions are best at. But uh, I just think we're a stronger military when we concentrate on things like that. General, when I entered the military uh, in the late 1960s. Even at that time, the army, that's where Savari was in, the army was racially diverse. And and there was black leadership uh, from platoon sergeants to sergeant majors to officers. Um, I mean, I, I, I was in the military at a time, and it's probably even more diverse today than it was when I went in in the, in the late 60s. But Eisenhower desegregated the, the, the military when he was president and before. So I just don't see the idea that we want to instruct the, the, the soldiers about diversity and racial diversity when the most likely general, the military, was desegregated faster and more than any other part of the country. Yeah. I mean, I agree, Dan. I mean, you know, I'm a little bit behind you. I came in in the mid-70s. My dad was... Uh... Army of Occupation, Germany, Korea, and then three tours in Vietnam. So I lived my whole life on military bases. And uh, that's who I grew up with. It was with a very diverse group of uh, kids, uh, you know, whose parents were involved in the Army. And, and we represented America then. And I still think that the military does a great job of representing America now. Um, so, I mean, I, you know, yeah, it's already diverse. I, I totally agree with you. And, uh and again, I can't speak to this, these ideas of these theories and stuff like that. I haven't studied the theories. I don't know anything about them. And I'm not a sociologist, so I'm not going to speak to them. But I will say, if you're going to basic training in the Army these days, I would be shocked if you're being trained about or being indoctrinated in this stuff. I just don't I, – I wouldn't understand why. 
and I wouldn't think it's prudent, and I just don't think that's happening, though. I, I hope not as an American citizen. Okay. Back to you, Jim. So, IQ, our Rizzoli. Hey, Dan, I, yes, go, go, go Dan, ahead, I, Major I, General. I just want to thank Dan for what he's doing for all of our vets and our active folks uh, on suicide. It is very, very real. Uh, you know, we all come back from combat different than when we went, and I just want to thank Dan for doing that. My pleasure. I got to take care of my brothers and sisters. <laughs> you got it. And and, uh, and so do I. And so do all of us uh, American citizens. So Thank IQ. You. Jim, back over to you. Uh, IQ, do you have any uh, any questions for the major general? Are you, is that a rhetorical question? I've got a million of them. <laughs> now, while you have been in Afghanistan, uh, let me explain something to you, general. I come from Iraq originally. So... My language is Arabic, and my knowledge of Islam is extremely, extremely good. While you were in Afghanistan, and now you left Afghanistan, what have you learned about Islam? Well, I think, uh, you know, uh, first of all, you know, I did study. um, In fact, I actually studied Arabic for a while, although my Arabic is atrocious now. I spent a lot of years uh, not speaking, so I've forgotten most. And I did study Islam a bit, uh, you know, uh, working on a master's degree there in uh, Georgetown. I think, though, that what I saw was a reality that uh, Islam is is actually diverse, you know, between Sunni and Shia, obviously, very clearly diverse. But the way it's practiced throughout the world is very diverse. And I think that, uh, you know, you have to be accepting of that diversity within uh, uh, one of the three great religions of our our globe. Um, and I would encourage Christians to pay attention to what uh, Islam is about. You know, uh, you know, the the they're all based on the same book, the same uh, many of the sa- same prophets, and the idea of one God. So, I think I learned an awful lot about the practicalities of that, rather than you know just uh, some book learning. Thank you. Islam is not the same as Judeo-Christianity. A Muslim... No, I didn't say that. Yeah. No, no. Well, it said uh, three religions. I'm not right. contradicting you. I'm trying to explain something to you. Please. In the Arabic language of the Quran, Allah is the God of Muhammad. They say that Allah is the same as the God of Jesus, Moses, and Abraham. When you study the Quran, not read it, study it you will find out it is inconceivable that Allah is the same as the God of the Bible. And when you come to that conclusion, Islam is not a religion. Islam is a cult belief system, the cult of Muhammad. And this is exactly the reason why every single Western country, whether it was Russia before or America now, or even France even, uh, in, in Muslim countries, they, they were defeated every time. Because you still do not understand what Islam is all about. And yet every single Muslim who commits mass murder, like ISIS, like Al-Qaeda, they are the true Muslims. And the news media tell you, no, they are not. They are extremists. They are not extremists. ISIS follows the Quran infinitely more than Osama bin Laden. Osama bin Laden followed the Quran word by word. ISIS follows the Quran letter by letter and dot by dot. And unless America comes to this conclusion, you're absolutely right. Before 
9-11, the whole of Afghanistan will fall to the to the mullahs of the to the mullahs of Taliban. And not only this, there will be a mass slaughter of people who help the Americans. And the worst people to will be hurt are the females. The women of Afghanistan, especially the ones who are against the uh, Taliban, will be raped and murdered. And this is not an exaggeration. I predicted it when Donald, when Biden said he will leave. I said it in my letters. I said it in my articles. I said it in my talk shows. There will be mass slaughter. And exactly what you said, it will be another center of training for jihadis. It's a disaster. I'm sorry well, to say I do. Well, I must say that your conclusions, I think, uh, you know, they sound horrific, but uh, they're quite unfortunate. But I do believe that uh, much of what you said is absolutely going to happen. I think that, you know, there will be a civil war. There will be a great deal of, uh, of absolute chaos, uh, just like we've had before in Afghanistan. The Taliban will take advantage of that, but clearly so will al-Qaeda, Islamic State, other uh, groups of that nature. And the people that have grown up for two decades thinking that they had a future in Afghanistan, mainly, you know, uh, or not mainly, but the, the people that have been able to take advantage of education, take advantage of the medical care, take advantage of the increased life expectancy, take advantage of being able to be whatever they wanted to be, including all women, that's going to be crushed. And uh, and I and I'm. I wish I had a better feeling about it, but I do not. I, I agree with you, and I and I believe it's highly, it's going to be uh, a calamity. Unfortunately, you and I are both right. But the question I want to ask you again now, what is the advantage of Biden talking to the Ayatollahs of Iran? I'm trying to figure out, maybe you can help me. What is their single advantage for America talking to the Ayatollahs of Iran, who have wrecked destruction in my country, Iraq, in Syria, in Lebanon, in the Yemen, and they're spreading, by the way, in Latin America. What do you think? Well, let me just say, um, you know, I, I, don't, I can't understand why this administration is trying to do exactly that, especially after the Iranians have already admitted that they have, uh, you know, already... Uh, enrich the uh, uranium to the point that it's uh, bordering weapons-grade uh, uranium. And, of course, they have one of the biggest ballistic missile programs in the world. I'd like to remind everybody, and you know this already, I mean, uh, that Iran is no friend of the United States. They export uh, via the Hezbollah, via their proxy groups, via Quds Force, via a variety of other, uh, what I would say, malaligned, uh, maligned folks with, you know, uh, evil intent. Throughout the world, it's not just in the area around Iran. It it is throughout you know the, our southern borders of South America. It's it's elsewhere in Africa, etc. Iran has no love of America. They have no love of uh, any of our friends or our allies throughout the world. And that doesn't mean just the West. It means everybody. And I think we have to be very concerned about uh, what they are doing now. If, if negotiations can bring them to the table, maybe that's maybe somebody knows something way more than I do. And and uh, 
But I do think that the Iranians will respect one thing, and that's strength. And I think we have to be very clear with them that uh, uh, there is no way they will become a nuclear power. And uh, and uh, I think we need to be very clear with them that uh, we do not regard what they are doing throughout the world uh, with Hezbollah and Al-Quds Force. We do not regard that as good, and we are going to do everything we can to make it unsuccessful. And I'll leave it at that. I agree. Back to you, Dan. Yes, thank you. I, I, I did want to ask the, the general one more or a couple more questions. Yeah, go ahead, my uh, friend. Um, general, you know, I, 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 I listened to your discussion with IQ, uh, and I, I hear what's going on, but there is a question that I have to ask that is very difficult for me to ask because I'm afraid you're going to tell me what I already know and you're gonna scare people. We have an administration that is following the philosophy of Barack Obama to lead from behind, not lead the world. Do you think if Joe Biden maintains himself as president for the next three and a half years, sometime in that period, America will be attacked again? Let me just say, Dan, that I think that, uh, and again, I'm, I am not going to get into the politics of this or any one administration, but let me just state what I think are the facts. When, when we went in after 9-11 into Afghanistan, what we saw was that there was a safe haven for al-Qaeda. And so as we tried to capture and kill, and eventually did, it took a long time to get the nod, but uh, as we tried because of the role of Pakistan, but uh, as we pushed out al-Qaeda, captured, killed many of them. And we, the Taliban refused to you know, uh, stop supporting them. We had to get rid of the Taliban as well in Afghanistan. What we saw in Afghanistan was therefore just this kind of clean slate. No economy other than poppy, no real government other than what the Taliban had, had uh, implemented through their interpretation of uh, Islam. And, and what we are unfortunately seeing happen right in front of us right now, if we're paying attention, is we're going to get back to this potential of having a safe haven for al-Qaeda and other nations like Islamic State, who, by the way, Islamic State has no love for the Taliban. But uh, we are setting ourselves up again for a safe haven outside of our borders where we are not going to be able to keep constant eyes on and constant pressure and from time to time take out those planners and those that are plotting against us. And I, I fear exactly what you say, that uh, we could, within a handful of years, again, at least see plots against our nation. Um, that uh, that it's uh, very unfortunate that uh, we're allowing this to happen. Thank we you. Have, we have got a great guest with us today. So, so Jeffrey, tell us about some of the different... Um, reviews you've gotten on this book and everything well you know i think uh thanks jim um you know there's been a lot of the people that are watching over afghanistan obviously or i want to read the book and 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 want to hear the book you know you can get it on audiobook etc and, and of course i've been talking a lot of the uh, uh talk shows about it i think some people are also looking a little bit longer term and like the book you know, because the book is also about what war does to all, all of us, whether we go to fight it and then, or what it does to our families. And then how do you overcome 
the chaos of leading in really uncertain environments where it can be brutal. And so, you know, I wrote it for two different reasons. I really wrote it to, you know, uh, honor the people that uh, both served and passed away, died, as well as those that are living. And then also to try to help others be better leaders by becoming better persons and then understanding what it's like when you have really, uh, you know, tough, tough uh, events. It doesn't need to be war. It could be, heck, I mean, the book is just as good for a business leader uh, facing a COVID crisis or something like that. And I, I think that latter part, I still don't see as many people, you know, taking a hard look at it and going, my gosh, some of the things he says about leadership really do ring true. And I wish that would be something that uh, would happen more. But I, uh, right now, a lot of attention about Afghanistan, and I clearly understand why, because if you look at the book, you'll see I make predictions uh, that are coming true. Absolutely. And where amazing. do we get the book? Yeah, where do we get the book? Okay. Easiest place is to go right online. You get that favorite place, uh, Amazon.com or BarnesandNoble.com. Or if you like uh, independent books, go to Indie.com, SimonSchuster.com. Those are the easiest ways to do that. You can also get the best prices. Fantastic. Well, as we wrap up here with everybody, I want to start with Dan. Bring us up to speed on your nonprofit and radio programs, TV shows, everything. <laughs> we don't have much time left. Um, <laughs> uh, the the soldiers program is songs and stories for soldiers. Us, as I said to the general, we work in the area of traumatic brain injury, PTSD, uh, suicide prevention, and sleep deprivation, which is really the unmentioned problem with with uh, not only with soldiers, general but with the general public. Sleep, sleep deprivation is a major, major medical problem in our country today. Um, the Blacks and Whites uh, just crossed 4 million listeners, and our show tomorrow at 12.30 on blacksandwhites.us will deal with the idea that the Biden administration wants to use Facebook to eavesdrop on your instant messages and your email to see if you're one of those people who who is anti-vaccine. Uh, we have a lawyer who's going to talk to us. I have grave concerns that uh, this is basically smoke for an invasion of the First Amendment rights, and the administration is trying to do a lot of other things. And... Um, uh, more about me as the as the writer and everything else. My commentaries are available at danperkins.guru, G-U-R-U. And General, thanks for joining us today. And, and Dan, again, thanks for everything you're doing on our vets and our active folks. Really do appreciate that. Thank you. So uh, IQ, how do we get your books and get involved with everything you're doing, my friend? Well, as you know, my books are related mostly about Islam. All you have to do is Google my name, Al-Rasuli, A-L-R-A-S-S-O-L-I, and everything is free. Fantastic. Thank you for joining us, General. IQ, great talking to you, and thank you for also being on the show. General, I would suggest when you have some time, get his, it's a three-book trilogy. It's uh, fascinating reading from somebody, from a person who actually lived it as a person from Iraq and, and lived in that attitude and 
desolation that took place in that country. It, I've read them, and, and they're really quite good. So airplane reading. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks for your support. Thank well, you. Well, uh, <laughs> well, Marathon War is an incredible book. Uh, do you have any any more information you want to give the the folks here, my friend, before we let you go for today? Yeah, Jeb. I would just say, you know, people go to jeffschlosser dot com. You know, it's last night. J e f f s c h l o e s s e r. I've got a weekly blog. In fact, Dan, you got to take a look at it. I about three weeks ago, I talked about PTSD, made some, you know, very personal, you know, uh, comments about my own, you know, stress and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and, you know, PTSD and things like that and in the way ahead. But uh, I would just encourage people, if, if you're uncertain about whether you're interested in buying Marathon War, go to that blog site. And uh, also the author site tells you a lot about the book as well. And then you can make the determination from that. Or nevertheless, if you, you know, you don't want to spend any money, just read my blogs. It's free. Fantastic. Fantastic. Well, Major General, this has been a fascinating conversation today. Thanks to IQ. Thanks to Dan. And uh, thanks to the Major General. Thank you, my friend. Well, thank you, and thanks for having thank me you. on the show. Appreciate yeah. it. There they go. And okay. uh, that is that. I want to thank everybody for paying attention to us today. Check out JiggyJaguar.com for more information. And we will see you next time. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BDW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.